welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Numbers 21 verse 4 says, And they journeyed from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Ever had one of those days? And the people spoke against God and against Moses. And they said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food and there's no water. And our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. That's not a good day, is it? Therefore the people came to Moses and they said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Now pray to the Lord that he would take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and he put it on a pole. And so it was... If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Have you got that? Now, John chapter 3. Verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. What an amazing passage of scripture we find. And I was reading through that, actually, I think it was like 14 years ago when I first started at Hope City, I preached on this fiery serpent. And I was thinking about this fiery serpent again over the last few weeks. And the story of the Israelites going through the wilderness. And as I read through this scripture, I was thinking about the Israelites because they'd gone through a lot of stress and anxiety and problems in the wilderness. And preceding chapter 21 they have the death of Aaron and then after the death of Aaron they try to go through the land I think of, of Edom and they don't want them to go through and they said if you come through this shortcut to the promised land we're going to kill you and so you've got all these events that lead up to this story of the bronze serpent and I was thinking about them moaning and complaining because it seemed like Life was throwing these detours, these unexpected events. And I was thinking to myself, how often in life there seems to be unexpected detours and events. I look back at my life and I never would have chosen the pathway that God's chosen for me. Is anyone else like that? I thought when I was 20 that I was going to have this very easy, successful path. And I imagined doing amazing things. But my life is taking detours and things have, the enemies come against me and there's bad choices I've made and things that have come that 
sort of came from left field. And life's like that. And I sensed in my heart as I was preparing for today that there are people that would come in today and life has thrown you a curveball. You didn't see it coming. Things have come unexpected and you, you're thinking, Lord, what's going on in my life? And I felt God say to tell you today to keep going, not to stop, not to stop. God has a perfect plan and there are things that have come across your path and you don't know why it's happened and you could spend all day trying to analyze, was it my fault? Was it God? Was it the devil? And, and sometimes you've just got to trust in God's good nature and plan for your life. And I sense God saying to people today, do not quit. Do not give up. Keep pressing on. There is a promised land. And these people began to become discouraged and disheartened because the way seemed harder. They, 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 maybe the death of Aaron came as a great surprise. There's been loss and disappointment. And you're looking at your life. You're looking back and thinking, what's going on? And I sense God saying, trust me, keep going. The end. See, the Bible says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. And it goes on to say, do not be weary in well-doing, for there is a due season. There is a promised land. And maybe you wouldn't have chosen the path that God has allowed you to go through, but there is a promised land for all of you. Are you hearing me today? Do not give up. Did you hear me? Should I say it again? Do not give up. Do not quit. And as I read this story, it says that they became discouraged on the way and they began to speak out against God and they began to speak out against people, Moses particularly. And I thought about that, that we often get discouraged and angry along the way and we lash out at people. But do you know what? People aren't your problem. Your wife's not your problem. Your husband's not your problem. It's not the boss. It's not the economy. The issue that you really have is with God. I want to say it again. It's not your wife. It's not your husband. The issue that you really have deep down in your heart about your journey, your life, the issue that you have is about you and God. They grumbled with God first and then they lashed out at Moses. And your lashing out at other people really deep down is an issue that you have with God. And because you can't lash out at God, you hit people. It's very quiet here, isn't it? Because we can't physically grab a hold of God, and because when we yell at Him, He doesn't respond, we lash out at people. But the issue they had was with the nature of God. Life seemed to be throwing in curveballs, and they began to be discouraged on the way. And essentially what all of humanity has, when, the, when a man or when a boy or a girl is born on the planet, they are born into an orphan world. See, the spirit of this age is an orphan spirit. And when Satan came to this planet and deceived man and woman, he was trying to build into their life a basic distrust in the goodness of Father's heart. And I'm here to tell you, if you get a revelation that no matter what life throws you, if you get this revelation today of the goodness of Father God and His eternal love for you, that He will never leave you or forsake you, you will find your promised land. You will not be defeated. And this is the essential problem that the children of Israel had as they 
progressed through the wilderness, the way exposed their heart. They were discouraged by the way, but the trials and the pain and the curveballs essentially are there to expose what is already in your heart. And you're complaining because of the way, but the way was actually just exposing what was already there. It's very quiet here. It gets better. So it says the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many died. And that's the nature of the enemy, isn't it? He is, John 10.10 sums up the devil very succinctly. He comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. He poisons man with fear, with unbelief, with, with torment. It's a bit like the story in Mark 5 of the man that's possessed by a legion of demons and he's, he strips himself naked, he's tormented, he's cutting himself. And this is the nature of the evil one. When we get out of God's covering, when we rebel against God, when we don't believe in the goodness of God, we get exposed to a life where the enemy bites people and poisons people. And maybe today that you're here and you've been bitten by the enemy. Maybe there's unbelief. Maybe there's poison in your heart. Maybe there's pain in your heart. I don't know what it is, but you may feel like you've been bitten by the enemy and you're in pain. There's unbelief. There's confusion. There's discouragement. Whatever it might be, this is what happened to the children of Israel. They were walking through the wilderness and they began to rebel against God. They, they disbelieved in the goodness of God and they opened up their heart to a master that wanted to bite and devour them. But it says they began to cry out to Moses. We have sinned. Pray to God that you would take the serpents away. And it's amazing what God did. God says to Moses, I want you to build a bronze snake and sit it on a pole. All the, you know, if we were going to have a picture of Jesus, it wouldn't be a bronze snake, would it? Of all the analogies and the types, that's the last thing that we would pick to look to, a bronze snake. Imagine wearing that around your neck as an icon of the church, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, this bronze snake. But God says, make a bronze snake and put it on the pole. The people are going down like flies. Snakes have come into the camp. They're biting, they're devouring. Mothers and fathers, children, they're dropping dead. There's chaos all around. And in the midst of that, Moses prays to God. And God says, make a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and everyone that looks at that serpent will live. This serpent was a fiery serpent, a bronze serpent put on a pole. It looked like a snake, but you know that a bronze snake has no poison in it. It looks like a snake. It's got the same outlines as a snake, but it's got no poison whatsoever in it. And this was a picture of Jesus that he would come to earth in the form of humanity. He would look like us. He would, he would in, in, in essence, he would carry humanity. It says in Luke, uh, sorry, Hebrews 2.14, in everything, Jesus was made like his brethren. So he would be a merciful and faithful high priest. So Jesus comes 
to rescue humanity and he comes in our very form. He looks like the fiery serpent. He looks like humanity. He looks and feels like us. He's acquainted with all our ways. And I need to know that when I'm in pain, when I'm discouraged, when I'm confused, that Jesus came to this earth and he's a merciful high priest. What does that mean? It means that he's acquainted with every pain, every temptation, everything that we've ever gone through. Or some of you today, you've come and you've got addictions that nobody knows about, pain that no one knows about. Your husband doesn't know, your wife doesn't know, your family doesn't know. And Jesus is here to say to you, you know what? I've been there. I've, I've experienced the temptation. I've experienced the pain that goes when those temptations come against you. But the wonderful thing about Jesus, even though he was exposed to all the pain that we go through, never once did he succumb to it. Why is that important? Because, you see, the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament, they were good for one thing. They were good for getting rid of sin but they had no power to bring a righteous nature. So in other words, when you got rid of your sin and you laid your hands on the animal, you you would get rid of your sin, but the animal had no righteous nature to give to you to overcome your sin. So you'd be back there again and again and again. The difference about Jesus is that he was tempted in all points, but never sinned. He has a perfect righteous nature. Are you hearing me? And so he's been tempted in every pain, every form of discouragement, every addiction, everything that you've gone through, he suffered, he went through, he experienced the temptation, but never sinned. And he offers you today his righteous overcoming nature. Are you hearing me? But not only was it a fiery serpent, And that was a picture of Jesus, the perfect lamb. He looked like us. He was a merciful high priest, but he was also a faithful high priest. He looked, he came in the form of man, but he carried great power. He was the son of man, but he was also the son of God. And some of you need to know today that the Jesus that lives in you, not only is he acquainted with your pain and suffering, but he's the same Jesus that overcomes all pain and suffering. And you need to let Jesus loose on your addictions and your pain and your discouragement. Let him, the one that's conquered all sin, out in your life. Are you hearing me? See, some of you are battling your pain and your addictions with will worship. You think if you struggle a bit harder, if you try a bit harder, if you just don't give in this day, if you distract yourself, that will never do it. There's only one nature that can overcome the stuff that's in your life. And his name is Jesus. And you need to let him out in your life. You need to say to him, like these children of Israel, Jesus, we have no other way. We've been bitten. We're dying. We're in torment. We look to you. And it's time for the church again to get its eyes on Jesus instead of its own self-help guide, will worship, struggle harder, be more wise, do this. There is only one answer and his name is Jesus. And he lives in every believer. He is the son of God. He has faced every temptation and he is the overcoming spirit. So if you're discouraged today, if you're in pain today, look to Jesus and let him loose on your problem. Amen. 
It was also a bronze serpent. It was a fiery serpent in the form of man. But it was a bronze serpent. And we know in the Bible that bronze speaks for judgment. So when they looked at that serpent, they could see it, it looked like us, but it was altogether supernatural. It was, in a, it was the Son of Man, but the Son of God. But as they looked at that serpent, they realized it was bronze. It was a picture of judgment. He took their sin upon himself. Jesus, the Father, didn't have to heal those Israelites. They were always complaining. You know, he would, he would go out of his way to care for them. They'd last a day and they'd whinge again. But this is the compassion and the nature of Jesus towards humanity. He knows that we're but dust. He knows that we're frail. He knows that we're weak. And Jesus comes and he takes our sin upon himself. See, when Israel would enter the tent of meeting, the first thing that they would do is they would go up to a bronze altar and there would be a sacrifice for their sin. And they would take the animal and put it on the altar. And as I said before, they would lay their hands on that animal and all the sins of Israel would be transferred to that animal. And this is what happened at the cross that you and I need to get a fresh revelation, a new revelation of each and every day. That at the cross, all your sin, all your pain, each day that accumulates, it, all of it from, from now to eternity was placed on Jesus at the cross. And the Bible says that God wasn't indifferent with your sin. See, this is where some people misunderstand grace. God's not indifferent with sin. God hates sin. But all of our sin was placed on Jesus at the cross. And the wrath of God, which exceeds our understanding. We think that God is a little bit cross about our sin. God hates sin because of what it does to us. God detests sin. But all our sin was placed on Jesus at the cross. And the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. All of your sin, all the sin that you'll ever commit, it was taken upon Jesus, the sin bearer, and God's wrath was poured out. We may never understand what that truly means. But you need to know that when the wrath of God was poured out in its completion, the Bible puts it this way in Romans 8.3, what the law could not do, that it was weak in the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account for sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh. God grabbed your sin, even though you weren't even born. He looked ahead and he got all of the sin that you will ever commit. And he placed it on Jesus at the cross and he condemned sin in the flesh of Jesus. Jesus did it on your behalf. And the Bible says that God, was, God raised Jesus from the dead when all of mankind was justified. He was the firstborn amongst many brethren. So the very fact that Jesus rose from the grave is the reality that all your sins have been forgiven. Did you hear me? All of them. Everything that you will commit, it was all put on Jesus at the cross and when the Father was satisfied that the payment was made in full, Jesus rose from, the grave, rose from the grave. What does this mean today? You may have been bitten. You may have been a naughty son and daughter. You may have done things that you're ashamed of. But the Bible says 
that you can never, ever be condemned for your sin when you're a believer in Christ. Never, 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 never. You look at the snake, the bronze snake. It's a picture of the judgment that should have been mine that was placed upon Jesus. How do I get free from the pain of sin? Well, one of the major things is I need to be free from the condemnation that sin brings. Everything that, condem- that could condemn you was nailed at the cross. And as a result, all your sins have been permanently disarmed. What is the power of sin? The power of sin is that it lives on after I've done it. Years of regret and pain and shame. We sin and and our, our natural fleshly reaction is to draw away from God. Draw away from people. Shut our lives down. Don't, don't expose our inner heart. That's what sin does. But the truth is that sin has been judged in Jesus on the cross. And there is now therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ. You have been set free. And when the devil comes knocking, you need to remind him of Colossians 2, 13 to 14. It tells us, and I'll read it to you. When you were dead in your sin, so even before you were born, God made you alive with Christ at the cross. He forgave us all of our sins. So even the sins that you're about to commit in the future, they've all been covered at the cross. He has cancelled the charge of our legal debt which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away and nailed it to the cross. And when Satan comes knocking on your door and he reminds you of the bites that you've had, he reminds you of the sin that's in your life, he reminds you of all the pain in your life, you need to remind him of what took place at, that, at the cross. All my sin was taken care of. The debt has been paid. And as they looked, At that snake, that bronze snake, they began to get a revelation that here is the sin bearer that takes away the sin of the world. He has taken away my judgment and there is no condemnation. That's when true healing comes. Are you hearing me? See, this is the issue with sin. And most, I think the majority of Christians around the world do not understand this. Sin is about a debt owed. And at the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. The debt's been paid in full. And forgiveness is all tied around this. Forgiveness is the payment of a debt. And so many Christians are still looking for forgiveness every day. You were forgiven once. The debt was paid. And every time you ask Jesus to forgive you, you're asking him to pay a debt again that he's already paid. Jesus said at the cross, it is finished. The Greek word is, t- t- oh, I don't even know how to pronounce it, tetelestor or something like that. It's a, it's a long word. But the Greek word essentially is the word they used for when they would stamp a bill. And the bill said it being paid in full. They would use this word, they would cry and they would speak this word out when the debt was paid. And that's what Jesus did for you at the cross. He said, your debts have been paid in full. You have been eternally forgiven. There is no more debt. And this revelation will free us from a sin consciousness because the church is crippled by a consciousness of sin and not a consciousness of Jesus. And the law would say, work harder, focus on your sin, 
Ask for forgiveness. Um, whip yourself. But Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Turn your eyes towards me. You will never overcome your sin and your pain when you focus on your sin and your pain. That's why they put the bronze serpent on a pole up above so people would get their eyes off their problem and they would begin to look to Jesus. And if you hear only one thing today, hear this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes on Him. He's always been a Saviour. He's always been the Redeemer. And He is far better than what you think. He's done far greater work in your life than what you understand. He has forgiven you of all your sin. As far as the East is from the West, so far has He removed your transgression. It's gone. It's finished. It's been paid for. And that pain is over. And I believe the enemy would come and remind us of pain in our life. Well after the event, he wants to take away the sting of the pain, of the wrong choices, of the things that you do that you wish you'd never done. It's a new day. The debt's been paid in full. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And the devil would often come to me and remind me, <clears throat> Let me just have a drink. I won't put the fire out. He would remind me of things I've done in my past. You know, you meet people that remind you of things that you've done. You meet people from your past. And it brings up a flood of memories. Think, oh God. But I just remind myself of the serpent on the pole. And that Jesus took the judgment that was due to me. Don't you love that? <clears throat> I've got about five minutes of voice left. So here's the deal. If you've been bitten, you only need to look at the bronze serpent and you will live. Look at the snake. And for some people, it's so simplistic. You want me to what? And I imagine the Israelites who drop in like flies and they hear Moses cry out, look to the snake and you will live. And I imagine some of them thinking, has anybody else got a better plan? You want me to what? You want me to look at a snake? Can't you see we're dying here? Can't you see I've lost half my family? You want me to look at a pole with a snake on it? Have you gone mad? And see, people coming to church, people hear the gospel and they hear these words, look to Jesus and live. And they think there's got to be a better way. I have people come to my office sometimes and they want counselling and they're looking for the most bizarre, difficult, jump through hoop answers when the answer is found in Jesus. Look to him. He's the answer. Let him love you back to life. You know, and we, 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 we as, a, as, a, as a body of believers, we, we want to make everything so difficult and complex. But he's always been the answer. You look to him. You got problems? Look to him. Go home today, get in your room and say, Jesus, I haven't got any other answers. I don't know who else to turn to. I'm about to die here. I've been bitten here and there. I need a breakthrough. I'm looking to you. My eyes are on you. Like the Greeks, they said, sir, we would see Jesus. We need an answer. We need hope. And the moment you begin to verbalize that, Jesus, I need you, something begins to change. 
God, God's waiting for that open invitation. And as many as looked on the snake, they were made whole. I imagine those that didn't look at the snake died. I imagine those that, you know, gave it a casual glance and went on with their life, they dropped dead. But I don't know about you, but if I was dying from a snake bite, I remember once up in Queensland, we had these little shells. And inside the shell, there was an animal, my mother told me, that if it bit you, you had about three seconds to live. It was in a cone, wasn't it? And I remember being on the beach when we lived in Queensland, and I picked one of these up because that's what you do when you're a little boy. You want to see if there's really an animal in it. And something came out and bit me, I thought. It felt like it anyway. And I remember running home, praying, Jesus, don't let me die. I'm too young. I haven't got married yet. There's so many things I want to do. Crying. When you're faced with death, real or not, you get focused. And these people that were indifferent, they died. But the ones that got the revelation that if I look to the snake, I will live. Let me tell you this. Their focus was laser sharp. And if you want to be made well today, if you want to be healed, if you want to be set free, you've got to have eyes just for Jesus. This is not about a casual glance. This is not just like a, like a little garden variety prayer. And then get on with just doing my own thing. This is Jesus. You are my only hope. Are you hearing me? Look to Jesus and you'll live. Whenever you look at Jesus, the Bible says something is going to happen. Mark 9.20, they brought a young boy that was had a demon, had a mute and deaf spirit. That's a bad day. And as soon as eye contact came with Jesus, the Bible says he was delivered from his demon. Whenever you look at Jesus, something begins to shift. Whenever you look up, see it says of Abraham that he lifted up his eyes and he looked and he saw a ram caught in the thicket. He must have walked past that ram on the way to sacrifice his son. But God said, look up. And as he looked up, he saw provision. And I'm here to tell you, as you look to Jesus, provision is there. Some of you, you're so worked up with money and bills and problems. You know what you need to do today? You need to look up and look at Jesus. Say, Jesus, you are my hope. Isaac, he looked up and he saw a camel coming to him with his wife. Jacob looked up and he saw Esau coming towards him. He saw restoration of his enemies. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've got relationships that are out of order in my life. Things that I think in the natural, they'll never change. But we've got to look to Jesus. He's able to change people's hearts. Gideon looked up and he saw a man coming with a sword. Saw the commander of the armies of the Lord. As we look up and we feel like the enemy's coming against us and there's no hope, as we look to Jesus... All of a sudden, heaven breaks in. Angels are sent. 
the commander comes not to fight with us, but to fight for us. Look to Jesus. What I love about looking at Jesus is this. It seems like there's two stages. We come to Jesus in our pain, in our discouragement, in all the Duncan, and we look to him and we are delivered. But do you know what I've discovered? The more we look at him, we go from the state of being delivered to the state of becoming a deliverer. The Bible says, as we look to him, we are transformed from glory to glory. We go from a state where we need help, we need deliverance, we need healing. We come across to a state where we become the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Look to him today. Look to him. Can I finish by reading to you from Hebrews 2 verse 5 to 11? Would you turn there with me? And then we'll be finished. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you would take care of him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. There's a time where we need to be taken care of. There's a time that we need visitations from the Lord. There's a time where we need Jesus to come and scoop us out of the miry clay. And that's why Jesus came to, to lift us out of our sin, but not just to lift us out of our sin. The intention of the Trinity was to take us from our brokenness and lift us up to reign with him. Are you hearing me today? Are you hearing me today? You have crowned him with glory and honor. You've set him over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He has left nothing that is not put under him. And Ephesians says that because Jesus has been raised from the dead, we are seated with him and all things are placed under our feet. The church is his body and everything has been placed under his feet. But Hebrews goes on to say, but now we do not yet see all things put under him. But we see Jesus. I read that and I thought, oh, okay. So I'm in a world where I don't see all things yet put under his feet. But as I read that, the word for see is with the natural eye. We don't yet see or perceive with our natural eye all things put under his feet. We look around and there are things out of order in our world. But we see Jesus. And here's the challenge today is that we can have eyes that see things undone in the world, undone in our life, or we can see Jesus. We can get a higher view. We are invited to come up to where he sits and get his perspective. We may not see everything in the natural at this point of time in order, but that's not where we are to focus and to live. We are called to be seated with him and begin to see him as he is. He goes on to say, 
He was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. And now he is crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, would taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he who sanctifies and those, which is us, who are being sanctified, are all of one. Therefore, he's not ashamed to call us his brothers. What does that mean? It means that when Jesus was risen from the dead and he was ascended, he ascended into the heavenlies and he sat at the right hand of the Father, he has called us to be with him. He's the firstborn in the family. And he says, I want you to come as sons and daughters and sit with me and begin to see how I see. As he is today, so are we in this world. And it's one thing to look to Jesus as our deliverer, but it's another thing to begin to look as Jesus looked, to be seated in heavenly places and to begin to see that God has given you power and authority to be a deliverer. See, because when people look to Jesus for deliverance, when the snake is put upon the pole, that's one thing. But you know what? You become the Jesus that people look to. You become that deliverer. You become that healer. You become the one that pronounces forgiveness of sins. You become the one that releases people from condemnation. We begin to see like Jesus sees. And I'm saying to you that everyone here today is that snake that is placed upon the pole. We are in Christ Jesus. As he is, so are we. We begin to offer deliverance and healing and salvation. There are two people, those that need deliverance and those that become deliverers. Look to Jesus today. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Right now, for those that are here and they've been bitten by the evil one, poisoned, pained, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would heal them, that you would cause them to lift up their eyes and to look and to see that you are their help and their salvation. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Psalm says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those that looked to him were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and he saved him out of all his troubles. And I'm asking today, Father, that you would cause people to cry out to you to be delivered. Save them from their troubles. Save them from the things that they face, Lord, that are consuming them, from their addictions, from their pain, things, Lord, that they've brought in today. Deliver them, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name. So wherever you are right now, if you are facing things that you need to be delivered from, look to Jesus right now. Wherever you sit, look to him. Turn your eyes upon him. Call out to him and say, Lord Jesus, deliver me. Deliver me. Deliver me. Deliver me. Set me free this day. Deliver me from hopelessness, discouragement. Deliver me from the addictions in my life. Deliver me. Deliver me. 
Deliver me. Deliver me. Deliver me. You know, the enemy would lie to you today and say that poison. It's irreversible. You're marked. You're stained. But I want you to know there's great power in the name of Jesus. There's nothing too hard for him. And I ask right now, Lord, that faith would rise in Jesus right now. He is the mighty saviour, the mighty deliverer. The Bible says the hills, they melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. There's no demon that can stand against the name of Jesus. There's no sickness, no bondage that can defy the name of Jesus. And Father, this day, I take authority over every stronghold that would seek to defy you. Lord, you said the weapons of our warfare, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so every stronghold that is hidden and sitting in people's lives, that even right now is defying my words, I take authority over you in Jesus' name. And I bind you. And I say God's people will be free. They are free in Jesus' name. They are free in Jesus' name. And I rebuke you, you evil spirit, you unclean spirit. I rebuke you now in Jesus' name. How dare you defy the words of Jesus Christ. And I say, those that look to Jesus shall be saved. They shall live and not die. And I pray right now, Father, that you begin to shake at the very core and the very foundations of the lives of people, Lord, that have been poisoned by the enemy, you begin to shake it and shake it and shake it and drive out every sign of that poison. Every trace of that poison shall be driven out in Jesus' name.